Yay, dads, it is our day. I uh, hope you get celebrated today. I hope you get to do what you want to do and eat what you want to eat and go where you want to go. Uh, I don't know how your kids uh, celebrate you on Father's Day. My girls, their go-to gift is T-shirt. Right? Some T-shirt that they think captures the essence of their dad, at least in their opinion. So I brought some to show you, a little show and tell this morning. These are T-shirts over the years, um, like they've given me this one. This is pretty popular, the dad Alorian, right? Nice play on word there. I know, I, I've seen some of you uh, wear this, right? You copied me, and so you, uh, you also got one of these at some point, which is awesome. Can't beat Star Wars references uh, for the dad Alorian. Um, several years ago, uh, when, they were teen, when they were all teenagers, uh, they, they got me this one, dad, D-A-D-D, and underneath it says, dads against daughters dating. Pretty proud of that one. I got an amen. Yeah, dads against daughters dating. I love that one. That one's awesome. Uh, one of their proudest moments, I, I would say, was uh, they got me this world's greatest father. But it says, it says farter, so, which may be inappropriate. But, um, oh, they were so tickled when they gave me this one. Like, they just laughed and giggled, and they... They loved that one. Now, this next one is not a specifically Father's Day one, but they gave it to me for Father's Day. And I'll tell you a little story about this one. First of all, I'll show it to you. This is my Snapcat shirt that they gave me. Now, I will wear this uh, occasionally out in, in public. And uh, every time I wear this particular shirt, at some point during the day, if I go to the grocery store uh, if I go to a coffee shop, if I go out to eat, I will forget that I have the shirt on and I'll notice somebody staring at me, looking intently at me. Now, if you're a pastor and you're in your local community and somebody is looking at you, your first thought is, oh no, am I supposed to know this person? Like, have they come to Journey before and I don't know who they are? Are they gonna, do they expect me to introduce myself, to say hello to them? And somewhere in that process, my mind will go, it's the shirt. It's the, they're not looking at you. They're looking at the shirt. It happens every single time I wear this out. Well, I, I don't know what your Father's Day gifts are going to be. I'm sure they won't be as great as my T-shirts. But I hope that you have a great Father's Day anyway. Uh, we're, we're, we're bringing our study of Moses in for a landing. And, and what I want to do is I want to kind of skew the end of Moses' life just a little bit, skew some of his story towards fathers. There's something for everybody. These principles can be used by anybody. But, but since it is Father's Day and we're ending this series, I, I kind of want to move things toward fathers. Mo Moses' life gives us some things to talk about as dads. Now, we don't know much about Moses as a dad, actually. We know that he had two sons. We know the names of those two sons. We know about his, his father-in-law. Um, we have a really weird story in Exodus 4 about Moses disobeying God because he didn't circumcise his two sons. We are definitely not talking about that this morning. But Moses as a man, Moses as a leader, does give us some principles as dads that we can use. When we get to the end of his life, uh, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 34, and um, Moses has led the nation of Israel out of Egypt to Mount Sinai, 
to the edge of the promised land. You remember they looked over, they sent spies in, and then they said, nope, we're not going to go in there. And God was displeased with them, so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. When we get to Deuteronomy 34, they are now at the end of those 40 years back on the border of the promised land. God takes Moses up on a mountain and shows him, allows him to look over into the promised land. This is how that happens. Deuteronomy 34, verse 1. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. The Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region from the Valley of Jericho, the City of Palms, as far as Zoar. Now, all of those names to most of us probably don't mean a whole lot. They're just name, hard to pronounce names and names we don't use very often, just kind of a list of names. But what that means is God was showing Moses kind of a panoramic view of what the promised land was going to look like. This is where this group of people is going to live. This is where that group of people is going to live. And it's just like I told you, Moses, and everybody's going to experience that. I brought a couple of pictures. This is modern-day Mount Nebo region. Okay, we don't know specifically where this conversation took place, but if you go there, there's even a marker that says, yeah, if you're standing here, you can actually see a lot of things in the promised land. There's another one that kind of gives you a, a better view of the actual land. So Moses is standing somewhere in this region, and God is showing him the promised land. And, and certainly, uh, the, the, the main takeaway from this conversation, as it always is, it's about God. And, and God is saying, Moses, I want you to know I'm going to keep my promise. I got to do what I say I'm going to do. I said I was going to bring the people. And look, it's right here. I'm going to give them this land. God does what he, he says he will do. But I also think because of God's love for Moses and, and all that Moses had given to this journey, this was a way for God to say to Moses, look, it, it was all worth it. We're here. It was all worth it. And I know it wasn't always easy. I know it was hard. And I, you, know, you got mad and I got mad and we all got mad at them. And, and we had some tr struggles along the way. It wasn't easy. We had some tough moments. Like there were some moments, you know, you probably thought of bailing out and we thought about just ending this whole. There were some hard moments. I want you to know, Moses, it was worth it. Everything you did, everything you gave, all the trials, all the difficulties, all the struggles. It was worth it. This is what you're leaving behind. This is what you're leaving behind. This, because of your leadership, right, from a human perspective, Moses, because of the man you have been, the way you have led, this is all now possible. Take it in. Enjoy this moment. I'm proud of you. This matters. Dads, isn't that what we want, what we want at the end of our lives? Like if we symbolically go up on a mountain at the end of our lives and we look across our lives don't we don't we want to have a sense of it was all worth it it was all worth it that the legacy that i'm leaving by how i have led my family to this point and yeah i don't get to go all the rest of the way i don't take get to take all of the rest of the journey but what i have left for them how i have led them it was worth it, and it wasn't always easy, and there were struggles, and there were trials, and nobody was perfect, and we had hard moments, but it was worth it. Dads, 
If I could tell you something from Moses' life, I would just tell you simply, don't waste your life, Dad. Don't waste your life. Don't, don't climb up Mount Nebo at the end of your life and go, I wasted it. Like I was there. I had these moments. I, 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 I could have made so much more of an impact on my family, on my kids. I, I could have led so much better. You don't want to get to the end of your life and feel like the most important part of your life didn't get done. God says to Moses, look, we're here. We're here. You led well. You didn't lead perfectly, but you led well, and we're here. Verse 4, we keep reading. Deuteronomy 34, Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to, to this day no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. We, we get to the end of Moses' life, and we have this, let's, let's be honest, we have this complex legacy. It's not all one thing. It's not all other, uh, another thing. We have this very layered, very complex legacy, and we can be honest about that. O on the one hand, Moses is held up as a courageous spiritual leader, as a faithful leader. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, anytime Moses is referenced, he's referenced with awe and reverence for his leadership, for, for his courage. When the prophets write about Moses, they talk about how great a faithful person he was in the New Testament. When Moses is referenced, he's always referenced as this faithful, courageous leader of God. Give you one example. This is Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. This is constant praise of Moses. He was this incredible leader. He lived this incredible life. He had this amazing faith. And yet, at the same time, his failure was so consequential that he was not allowed to go into the promised land. Both of those are true. He was this incredible spiritual leader, incredible leader of the nation, and yet he had such monumental failures that God did not allow him to go into the promised land. What does that say to us as dads? Well, for one, you don't have to be perfect in order to leave a legacy. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it right, and you won't get it right every time, dads. Most of us have been dads long enough to know this. Maybe we haven't admitted it to anybody but ourselves, but it's true. You're not going to grade out at 100, dad. None of us are. 
And you don't have to. In order to leave a spiritual legacy, a legacy of relationship, a legacy of, of love and strength, you don't have to be perfect in order to leave a legacy. Now, parentheses, I feel like I need to do this, because we all have different circumstances. Right? We, we all have unique experiences. Your story is not exactly like mine. Everybody has a very unique story. I don't want to be misunderstood. It is certainly possible for dads to inflict such scars, such damage, such relational conflict in their kids, in their families, that a few nice things at the end of their life doesn't make up for all of that. Okay, That's not what I'm saying. That is, that is possible. It is possible for fathers in particular to inflict huge scars on the families that they leave behind. But, but I'm talking to you. I'm talking to all of you. Right? And, and what I'm saying to you, the fathers that are here, I'm saying that your legacy doesn't have to be defined by some failures. You're going to have them. You're going to have them. Um, maybe you, you remember finding out for the first time that you were going to be a dad and you thought of all the, thing, all the ways you were going to be as a dad. Like, I'm not going to be like that. I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to say this. I'm going to be this kind of dad. And that, that lasted like till you got home from the hospital, right? And then like you'd already blown that to pieces. Like that's how we are. We, we want to be this perfect model, this perfect image. There's goodness in striving towards that, but there's grace in realizing I don't have to score a hundred to leave a legacy with my family. I, I just have to keep going. I just have to keep trying. Another encouragement, don't let your weakness in the past keep you from pursuing your legacy as a father don't say, well, I've messed up too much already. Don't let your weakness of the past keep you from leaving a legacy as a father in your future. Apologize for those things. Own those things. Say, I'm sorry. Say, I'm sorry again and again for the times that you have failed, but don't stay there. The weaknesses of your past don't have to define who you are in the future, here's this line. We read it in Deuteronomy 34, 7. It's describing Moses, and it says, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. To the very end, Moses was in the fight. To the very end. He's 120 years old. I don't know how you climb a mountain when you're 120 years old, but apparently Moses did. And he gets there, and God gives this description. It's a physical description. His eyes were not dim, and his strength was not gone. He's still ready to go. And yes, in, in one sense, that's a physical description. He was physically capable of leading well, even at that advanced age. And so while we're here, dads, let me just say, take care of yourself. Like we need you. Your kids need you. Your family needs you. Get some exercise. Get your annual physical. Have the test done. Like the, like the whole the salad and some veggies wouldn't kill you every now and then, right? Take care of yourself. We need you here. Your family needs you here. Your kids need you here. Dads, if you haven't heard it in a while, take care of yourself. We need you. But let's also say, 
There's a limit to how much control we have over our physical bodies. We just don't control everything about what happens as we age. We don't. Some, what you control, control. But we just don't control everything. I got this thing with my elbow right now. My hip's kind of hurting. Every time I go to the eye doctor, like my prescription keeps going up and up. And I, okay, we don't control everything. There's parts, things are going to happen to us physically out of our control. Control what you can control, Dad. But, but beyond the physical, you can keep showing up emotionally. You can keep showing up relationally. You can be present, regardless of what's happening physically, you can be present in their lives. Your eyes don't have to dim. Your strength doesn't have to, have to be gone. When, when we're talking relational, we're talking spiritual, we're talking emotional. Your kids need you, Dad. Your, your family needs you. We need you. Moses kept showing up. And over time, for dads, that looks a little bit different. Right? It looks different how you show up, the way you speak into their life, your role, but it doesn't ever end. We, we, we have some very new fathers in our church this year, and we have some soon-to-be fathers uh, in our church this year. And I would just say to that whole crowd, you signed up for the rest of your life in this thing. This is not an 18-year thing. It ain't a 20-year thing. It's not a 30-year thing. It is the rest of your life. You're going to be dad, and you're going to have to keep showing up. You're going to have to keep being present. It will look different in different stages, but you've got to keep showing up. Don't let your eyes dim. Don't let your strength fade. Keep showing up. Now, now your kids will go through times where they don't want you around. Anybody been through some of those dads? Yeah. Your kids will kind of move in and out of this, you know, weirdness that is kids. And, and, and they, they will not want you around sometimes. There will never be a time in your kid's life when they don't need you around, Dad. They may not want you around, but they need you around. They need to know you're there. Even as they push you away, they, they need to hear your voice, have your support. You speak into their life. They may not want you, but they need you. Dad, don't let your eyes dim. Don't let your strength fade. Some warnings. Some warnings from Moses. Here's one. Be aware, dads, of potentially destructive emotions. Be aware of potentially destructive emotions. It's not that mom doesn't have them. We're just talking to dad today, all right? And sometimes dad comes kind of preloaded with some. We come preloaded because we saw something in our dad year after year after year or, or in the insecurities in who we are. Those things bubble to the surface. And so, dad, you've you got to be really careful. You've got to be aware that your emotions towards your kids, towards your family, towards your coworkers, towards your other relationships can be damaging we see this throughout the life of Moses we see little glimpses of an uncontrolled emotion that just keeps bubbling to the surface um, the first one he goes out he sees an Israelite being beaten by an Egyptian and explodes and kills the Egyptian right? boom out of control numbers uh, uh, Exodus 11 Moses is leaving a conversation with Pharaoh then Moses Hot with anger, left Pharaoh. There it is again. Hot with anger. He comes down from the mountain. 
worshiping the golden calf. Exodus 32, when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned. And he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. His anger burned. And like with all of these cases, what we're tempted to do is we're, we're tempted to say, well, he had a good reason. Pharaoh was a pagan. God was, God was fighting against Pharaoh. Well, they built a golden calf. But that's what we do with our emotions, isn't it? When we lose control, when something spills out of us that shouldn't spill out of us, we have a way of backtracking and say, well, if they hadn't, well, the circumstances were, well, this person caused that in me. No, Moses had a problem on the inside of Moses. Moses had uncontrolled emotions on the inside of Moses. Right? We're, t- we're tempted to say they were worshiping golden calf. He should have been mad. No, he was consistently losing his temper again and again. You read the story, there's no place in the story where God says, throw the, the tablets down. As a matter of fact, God seems a little miffed when he comes back and needs another copy. Like God's like, I already did that for you. Like, what'd you do with the first one? This is Moses. This isn't God. Sometimes we think we're angry for God. No, we're angry for me. Sometimes we we think, well, they deserved it. No, I just wanted to be angry. This uncontrolled emotion. It spilled over so much in Moses that this was the emotion that caused him not to go into the promised land. Here's Here's the moment. Numbers chapter 20. The people are asking for water again. Like, there's no water. Been through this. I understand he's exasperated. This is what happens. Listen, Moses speaking. Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, in other words, because you didn't do it the way I told you to do it, you will not bring this community in the land I give them. His frustration spills out. He gives a scathing rebuke. You rebels, I'm going to have to do this again for you. And then out of his anger, he strikes the rock twice when God told him to speak to the rock and then an, an amazing thing, every time I read this story, uh, this is kind of amazing to me, water came out. He didn't do it the right way, and yet God still gave them water. And there was a moment in there when Moses could have said, well, hey, look, it worked. I lost my temper. I should have been in control. It wasn't in control. It worked. We justify a lot of things with the phrase, it worked. Things we shouldn't be doing. Emotions we should be restraining. Emotions we should be disciplining. But it worked. Dads, there are a lot of emotions that will work in the moment with your kids. We've all lost it a time or two. Some of us develop a pattern of losing it. And on the back end, we say, well, they're doing what I told them to do. Well, it worked. Here's the thing. Just because it worked in that moment doesn't mean it's working. Just because it worked in that moment doesn't mean it's actually working 
to allow you to become the dad that you're supposed to become, to develop in your child's heart the things that God is trying to develop. Yeah, it may work in those isolated places. That doesn't mean it's really working. That just means you used brute strength because you're bigger and you can be louder in order to get something accomplished. It worked for Moses, but there were long-term consequences. Dad, when we don't discipline, when we don't control our emotions, there's long-term consequences. Like It builds up over time. Layers of it builds up over time. There are long-term consequences to uncontrolled, destructive emotions. It leaves little wounds. It leaves little scars. So yeah, it may work, but it's not working. It's not developing in you or in your children what God wants to develop. Now look, I'm not saying there's never a time to confront. I'm not saying there's not a time to discipline. I'm not saying there's not a time to correct. We're talking about the way we go about this. We're talking about being controlled by God's Spirit, speaking out of a desire to do what is good for our children. And, and we could swing to the other end. Right? We think of uh, uncontrolled anger as kind of that flash uh, fire that sometimes erupts out of us. Some of us don't have problems with that. Some of us have problems on the other end with passivity. Right? We, we just don't do anything. We check out as dad. We, we leave that to mom or we... We walk, we don't want to deal with either end and several places in the middle. Dad, those are areas that you and I have to work on. You, you, you and I have to pay attention to. We have to get focus to, or else there's long-term consequences for those. And yet, in spite of, in spite of these weaknesses in him, Moses is remembered as a courageous leader, a faithful leader, which let's swing back around to grace. Like the, the beautiful thing in, more, in Moses' story is we don't have to be defined by our worst moments. That, that doesn't have to be the lasting memory for our kids, for our family. You are going to have worst moments just like I have worst moments. Learn from them. Grow from them. Change from them. But you don't have to be defined by your worst moment as a dad. Numbers chapter 12. This is, a, this is when we talked about it last week. Moses had some relatives who were trying to take his position of authority. And we read that little parenthesis in verse 3. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of of the earth. And you read these stories, and the Bible presents very human stories, very real stories, tells you the whole story. But with Moses, sometimes you're left wondering was he angry or was he humble? Did he have this uncontrolled emotion or did he live in humility? And, and the story leaves us with the answer yes, he was all of that. Yeah, all of that was going on in his heart. Yes, he was at times the most humble man on earth, on earth, and he was at times <clears throat> incapable of controlling his own anger. Both of those things were happening. The very best Moses was happening, and the very worst Moses 
was happening. And that's true for us. We are both the best and, and worst versions of ourselves all the time. We are both the best version of ourselves and the worst version of ourselves. And we try to present the best version as much as possible. But in there is the worst version. I am the best version of me at times, and at other times, I am the worst version of me. And if you were honest, fathers, everybody in the room, if I came around and asked you, give me an example of the best you and the worst you, you could give me one, or, or 20, or, or 100, right? Best version of me, worst version of me. Best wor- version of me, worst version of me. We are both. We have both of those... Here's one of the things the story of Moses teaches us, though, is that the worst version of us doesn't have to win. The worst version doesn't have to win. It's there. I'm going to have to deal with that. I'm going to have to discipline that. I'm going to have to work with that. I'm going to have to invite God's Spirit to help me control that. But the worst version of us doesn't have to win. There is a best version of us that can win. Now, what was the... What was the key pillar in this being true in the life of Moses? This is Numbers chapter, uh, chapter, Exodus chapter 33. Uh, Moses builds what, what the Bible calls a tent of meeting. This is where he went to talk with God. Exodus 33 verse 10. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. While the Lord spoke with Moses... Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses, notice this phrase, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Numbers chapter 12, God is speaking. And he says, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in real. There was this relationship between God and Moses that was unusual for the Old Testament. It's unusual for the Old Testament. It's not unusual today. It's unusual for the Old Testament. And God clarified it multiple times and says... Look, I talk to Moses face to face like he's a friend because he's my friend. Moses talks to me face to face like I'm his friend because I'm his friend. All of his best and worst moments, all of the things he got right and all of the things he missed are held up by a foundation of a relationship with God. Every day, Moses would talk to God Face to face. God was real to Moses. He was real. He wasn't like a distant, impersonal force to Moses. He wasn't some vague concept. He wasn't a deity that Moses occasionally talked about. God was his friend. He had an an intimate, close relationship with God. So close, we read at the end of Moses' life, God buries Moses. He's on the mountain. God shows him the promised land. Moses dies. It's just him and God. And God, in this beautiful, tender moment, buries Moses himself. This is how close they were. This is what the relationship was like. Dads, of all the things you can do, of all the things you should do, of all the habits you should build into your life, 
of all the worst parts of you that you need to seek forgiveness for, you need to, to change. Nothing is more important than your relationship with God. Nothing is more important than your kids knowing dad really believes this. This is true for dad. Dad really believes and follows after God. Dad treasures Christ. Worship matters to dad. The word of God matters to dad. Here's what I would say to you dads. Your identity is the father's child but before it is your child's father. Your identity, what's most important is the fact that you are God's child, the father's child, before you are your child's father. Nurturing your relationship with the father is going to help you father the kids that he has given you. Growing deeply in your relationship to God is going to help you father the children that God has allowed you to have. Your kids need to know this matters to God. This is real to God. He's not pretending. He's not playing. He's not perfect. He doesn't get it right every time, but he tries to walk faithfully with God. One more thought. <clears throat> Moses' life ended with unfinished business and ours will too. Moses' life ends with unfinished business. He's on, he's on Mount Nebo. The plan was that Moses would lead them into the promised land. He's not going to get to do that. He is never going to physically set foot in the promised land. Everything that has been leading up to this mo moment in Moses' mind was so that he could lead them into the promised land. He's not going to finish that job. He's going to leave this earth with unfinished business. And dad, you're going to leave this earth with unfinished business somewhere. You're going to leave this earth with, un you're not going to get it all done. Whatever your, your bucket list, your, your to-do list, your whatever list, whatever you have, you're not going to get to the bottom of that. You're going to leave this world and there's going to be things you wish you could have finished. You meant to finish. You thought about Finishing, Your wife told you to finish. Whatever it is, you're going to get to the end. There's going to be things that you didn't finish. Make sure you finish the most important business. Make sure you do all you can for the most important things in your life. And most of them live under your roof, or at least they did at one time. You've got to finish that. Don't let your eyes dim. Don't, don't let your strength fade. You've got to finish. You know this. Other people have said it. You're going to leave this planet, and somebody's going to sit at your desk a week later, maybe 24 hours later. They're going to take your name plate off the desk, and they're going to put somebody else's name plate on there. They're going to move all of your stuff out and move somebody else's stuff in. That's not a reason to do a poor job at your work. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, Be faithful. Be faithful in your career. Be faithful in your work. I, I'm just saying. They're going to move on. After a little while, you will barely be remembered. The place 
where you want to give your greatest efforts and your greatest emotions and your greatest attention is your role as a dad and the people who are looking to you to lead them somewhere. You want to give your greatest attention right there. We sometimes, Dad, we, we can be guilty of substituting the feeling of success in our career for succeeding in our families. Because of the way most of us men are wired, we can, we can feel like we're filling that gap up with professional success. Well, I'm good at this, I'm good at this. Yeah, I'm terrible as a dad, but I'm good at this, I'm good at And I'm going to fill up that need in my life with that success. That will die with you. It will die with you. Like there is no promised land to look over with your business. And I know, you know, maybe you think, well, I'm building this huge business, I'm going to pass it on, it's going to... You can do all of that, they're going to forget you were ever there. What you can invest in that will be a promised land that outlives you are the people that are closest to you. Finish the most important things to the best of your ability. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you teach us, not just in your word, but, but through your spirit, what it means to be a good father. None of us are perfect fathers. We hopefully say, I'm sorry, regularly. We hopefully are growing in our role as father, but just as important in our role still as your children. In this world, we so desperately need the presence of dads. We need the presence, the attention, the never giving up, the never bailing out. Won't be perfect. Won't grade out at 100. But we need to keep showing up. That our eyes would never dim. Our strength would never grow weak. We would just keep showing up. Whether we can do it physically or not, we show up emotionally. We show up relationally. We show up spiritually to the very end. I pray that the fathers in this room know just how much they're needed just how critical their role is more than they are capable of fulfilling apart from the grace of God grow our hearts as fathers for you help us to lead well spiritually that you will be glorified not just in our lives but you will be glorified in our families and the ones who are to come I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.